Welcome to the Celtics Pod. I'm Eric Vandenbosch. I got uh, lucky recording this podcast because the NBA schedule came out, or at least the opening week schedule and the Christmas Day schedule came out. So I'll be talking about that. I The preseason schedule came out at least a couple of days ago, and I had planned on talking about the preseason schedule, and that was going to kind of lead into a conversation about possible Christmas, Christmas Day matchups for the Celtics. So... This works out well. So instead of that possible list, I'll give you the real list. And that possible list that I was going to do certainly included the Washington Wizards, and that's who the Celtics will play on Christmas Day. Celtics and Wizards. I did want to say just really quickly before I forget, I think the NBA did a pretty good job with these matchups here because there are some good ones. You know, there are some good matchups, some great individual players matching up. Uh, Also, we'll get to that opening week schedule, some good matchups there as well. But Celtics and Wizards, that game is going to be at 5.30. Going to be the Celtics' first Christmas home game since 1964. So good matchup, obviously. They played a tough seven-game series uh, during the playoffs. Those two teams don't like each other. That's probably an understatement. You had them, you know, dressing in black before the games, you know, with those funeral matchups, funeral games, whatever you wanted to call them. So now on Christmas Day, they can all dress up like Santa Claus. So we can see John Wall, Bradley Beal dressed up as Santa, or even better, Isaiah Thomas, five foot nine Santa Claus. Uh, Kelly Oubre, of course, you had his incident where he just he he was knocked to the ground on a screen. He kind of ran face first into Kelly Olynyk's shoulder or arm or whatever, and then he get Olynyk in the corner. You already know what happened. He runs up on Olynyk and it just smashes him to the ground, which was completely ridiculous. But also uh, Brandon Jennings. His antics versus Terry Rozier, not really sure what that was about. I don't know why anybody would go out of their way to target Terry Rozier. I don't know if he trash talks a lot while he's on the floor. I've never really heard him talk a lot, period, so it just kind of seemed weird to go after him. Uh, Don't have to worry about that, though, because he's playing in China next season. And then you have the Morris brothers, uh, Markeith Morris, Marcus Morris, uh, those two matching up on Christmas Day, so that's another kind of cool storyline there. Uh, but the other Christmas Day matchups, you got the 76ers and you got the Knicks. Not that I'm really excited about seeing those two teams play each other, uh, but it will, will be cool to see Markel Fultz and the other young players for Philly. Also on the Knicks side, Kristaps Porzingis is always fun to watch play. And then Melo, he may or may not be there. We don't know. Obviously, he wants out of New York. We, if he gets what he wants, he won't be playing for the Knicks on Christmas Day. If he gets what he wants, he will be playing for the Rockets on Christmas Day because the Rockets are playing the Thunder. Uh, another good matchup, you got Russell Westbrook, Paul George playing together, so that will be an opportunity to see those two play together. Also, Chris Paul and James Harden matching up in the offseason so we can see uh, them play together. Um, Cavs and Warriors, obvious, you know, obvious storylines there with a rematch of the NBA Finals. Uh, the question is, though, is what will the Cavs look like? Because Kyrie Irvin, another person who has requested a trade. And if the, if the Cavs get what they want, they said that they wanted a, a veteran starter, a good young player on a rookie deal and a first-round pick. If they get what they want, then, you know, maybe the Cavs don't take a major step back during the offseason, and that matchup on Christmas Day is a good one. A example of what they want, and there have been people who said this, and People who also say there's no way this would happen, uh, but they would take uh, Eric Bledsoe, Josh Jackson, and a first-round pick for Kyrie Irving. So if they were able to get, you know, Josh Jackson and Eric Bledsoe, 
uh, then the Knicks, or excuse me, the Cavs would still be a very good team. So that could be a good matchup on uh, Christmas Day. But if they're going to play the Warriors and they don't get what they want for Kyrie and they end up getting picks and just kind of going into rebuild mode, then the Cavs could get their butts kicked on Christmas. Uh, another matchup, which is actually the final matchup of the day, uh, Wolves and Lakers, another game that I'm not necessarily excited about seeing, but you know, to see Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, Jeff Teague, see Lonzo Ball as well, you know, a lot of great individual players there, and I would be interested in watching all of those guys play whenever I can. Uh, so, like I said, the um, opening week schedule was also released. Celtics going to kick off the season versus the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, another exciting matchup. That's going to be October 17th which is a Tuesday night. Again, we don't know what Cleveland is going to look like. Uh, if Cleveland's big three is there and everyone's healthy and all those things, taking on the Celtics and their big three and all of the other new additions, could be a great game. And also, if, if, if everyone's there, if all these players are returning to their team, uh, this will give us an opportunity to, you know, an early look at what that rivalry will look like and, you know, a look at a possible playoff matchup versus those two teams. But I also want to see some of the individual matchups, too, um, like Aaron Baines on Tristan Thompson. Baines was brought in to be the Celtics' best rebounder. He will be. Uh, he'll match up versus Tristan Thompson during the season. And then last year, the Celtics and Cavs, when they played each other, the Celtics just got dominated on the glass. So it'll be important, that matchup, and hopefully we see uh, on opening night, we see Aaron Baines match up well versus Tristan Thompson, and we kind of see that gap close in the rebounding department. I mean, outside of Aaron Baines, the Celtics also added a lot of size and length and athleticism with their wings. Those guys should help contribute with the rebounding also. So I think they'll be a better rebounding team, you know, not tops in the league, but certainly not in like the bottom five of the league like they were last year. And then another matchup I want to see would be Marcus Morris versus LeBron. So Marcus Morris has had uh, success in the past, or I guess as much success as you can have guarding LeBron James. He has done it well in the past. So hopefully that continues as a member of the Celtics, and it looks like we'll get a chance to see what that looks like on opening night. All right, so a couple of days before they released those two schedules, they also released the preseason schedule. Um, preseason schedule, they're scaling it back. Uh, trying to reduce the number of back-to-backs. So fewer preseason games, you know, move the regular season up a couple of days um, and then reduce back-to-backs, which I think everybody will appreciate. You know, especially players, you know, their coaches don't want these guys to be completely gassed going into the playoffs. So when you have these back-to-backs late in the season, you know, coaches rest star players. And it's incredibly frustrating if you spend a lot of money to go to a game to see a specific player uh, I see a specific player, and that player is not there. Uh, LeBron in his first go-around with Cleveland, I remember I went to TD Garden a couple of times uh, to go see that matchup and to specifically see LeBron James. And a couple of times that I went to TD Garden to see them take on the Cavs, he was resting, and that was completely disappointing. So, And, you, and you know, um, if a team's playing on the second night of a back-to-back versus a team that had the night off the night before, that's supposed to be an advantage for the team who had the night off. It doesn't always work out that way, but it makes a lot of sense. Uh, so as far as the preseason schedule goes for the Celtics, they're going to play four games, two versus Charlotte, two versus Philadelphia. Uh, first preseason game for the Celtics is going to be October 2nd at TD Garden. 
uh, versus the Hornets. All four games will be broadcast on Comcast Sportsnet New England, which is good news for folks like me who watch most of the games from home on TV. And I also have a DVR, which is pretty sweet. Works out well for me. I usually have to work every night till 7 o'clock. Now more on Kyrie Irving because, you know, these Kyrie Irving trade rumors now include the Boston Celtics. Uh, former Cavs GM David Griffin on ESPN's The Jump uh, said the Celtics were on Kyrie's list of possible trade destinations. Uh, Griffin said Kyrie's list included really good coaching situations. Brad Stevens and Popovich. He went on to say the teams on his list, Gordon Hayward in Boston, Kawhi Leonard in San Antonio. He would be accompanied by other great players. So this is new. Uh, this list of possible teams already came out. It did not include the Celtics. Uh, so we already knew about the Timberwolves, the Heat, the Knicks, and the Spurs. Uh, Celtics now saying that they are monitoring the situation. That is according to ESPN Zach Lowe. So naturally, this brings up the debate, and I think people were already talking about this, but now we really have reason to talk about it. Would you give up uh, Isaiah Thomas for Kyrie Irving, or what would you give up for Kyrie Irving? And you would naturally start with Isaiah Thomas. That's where people seem to be starting. Um, I don't know if that makes a ton of sense. I mean, sending Isaiah Thomas to a rival doesn't make a ton of sense because the Cavs aren't just a rival. The Cavs are the next step in the Celtics' rebuilding process. Getting over that hump, which is Cleveland, that's the next step. And why would you be sending a guy to Cleveland who scores 29 points per game? He shot the ball extremely efficiently. And I don't even know if if Isaiah is on Cleveland's target list because he has an expiring contract. They don't know if he's going to re-sign in Cleveland. My guess is he probably won't. I mean, the trend throughout the league now is for these stars to sign with other good teams and try and go deep into the playoffs. You know, people want to challenge Golden State, but I mean, at the very least, have a good team with some other stars on it and go deep into the playoffs. So Isaiah, that might be one thing he would consider if he entered free agency and he entered free agency not having previously come off a season with the Boston Celtics. We One thing we do know for sure is that Isaiah Thomas uh, is expecting someone to roll out the Brinks truck. He has made that abundantly clear. He has said that plenty of times. In his defense, though, in an interview, he said, I talk about it when people bring it up and people bring it up. So another thing with uh, Kyrie Irving coming to the Celtics, something, somebody that, uh, that the Cavs may want would be Jay Crowder. Everybody wants a piece of Jay Crowder. It makes a lot of sense because he's got that nice contract, especially if you're, if you're Cleveland and you are going to rebuild, it would be nice to have Jay Crowder and that contract and get that uh, cap flexibility and somebody you can put in your starting lineup. Shot the ball really well last season. Didn't really translate to the playoffs, but he shot a career high last year during the regular season. Also offer some versatility, can play the three and the four. So getting back to what Cleveland said they wanted, which was the veteran starter, young player with a rookie deal, and a first-rounder. As far as picks go, obviously the Celtics have a ton of those that they could trade away. Uh, net, Nets pick, uh, that's probably off-limits. They've seemed really reluctant to give up those Nets picks. Uh, they have the Lakers-Kings pick, and then maybe something that could be a little bit more practical they also have in the next couple of years, they own uh, a Grizzlies first round pick, a Clippers first rounder, and then they have their own first rounders as well. So plenty of options there if the Celtics were to give up a draft pick. And then the young player in a rookie deal, uh, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, um, 
this is all adding up. I, I'm kind of making the argument against this trade. I mean, all these different assets are adding up because what you're doing is you're giving up assets just to s simply swap Isaiah for Kyrie. See, Isaiah Thomas, I mean, he's an established Celtic. He's been here for a little more than two seasons. He's beloved in Boston. He's a face of the franchise. Uh, he made it to the playoffs the last few seasons. The reason why they went as deep as they did, especially last year. Uh, but these two players, swapping them, I don't know how much you gain out of it. Kyrie Irving, everyone kind of looks at him as the better player because he's like six foot two compared to Isaiah's five foot nine. But it's not like either one of these guys are great defenders. You know, Kyrie's not a very good defender either. You know, and Isaiah, despite his um, issues on defense, like I said, Isaiah is the reason why the Celtics. Uh, went as far as they did in the playoffs last year. He's what makes the team go. You know, he scored freaking 29 points per game last year, was in the MVP conversation for much of the season, all-NBA second team. And the Celtics were one of the top scoring teams in the NBA in each of the last two seasons, and there's a reason for that. It's called Isaiah Thomas. When he's not on the floor, much of the time the offense goes stale. I just don't see why the Celtics would give up all of those assets just to maybe possibly see a minor upgrade at the point guard position. And then, you know, I did say something about Isaiah going to Cleveland, which doesn't make sense for Boston, Kyrie going to the Celtics. I mean, does that make any sense for Cleveland? And if the trade was something more reasonable, let's say it was Isaiah, Jay Crowder, and a first-round pick, I bet some Celtics fans would be okay with that. But if you're Cleveland and you do that deal – and Isaiah Thomas doesn't re-sign, then that leaves you with what? Jay Crowder and a first-round pick that used to belong to, like, the Clippers or something? And even if they could get Isaiah Thomas to re-sign, that leaves them with, if LeBron doesn't come back, that leaves them with Isaiah Thomas, Kevin Love, you know, and some other decent players. I mean, how good is that team? Kevin Love and Isaiah Thomas, you could still win games with that, you know, being your top duo. But how far does that get you in the playoffs? Not very far. I mean, if that was the team, then they probably wouldn't even be as good as Toronto uh, or Washington. I wanted to talk about uh, Celtics roster turnover because I believe it is the end of an era. You know, people have mentioned the end of the Avery Bradley era, and that's true. Seven seasons with the Boston Celtics, that's over. A lot of people, including myself, you know, sad to see him go. I'm not talking about that, though. I'm talking about... Uh, the end of the first chapter of Brad Stevens' coaching career. I say that because the first four years were all about rebuilding. They were terrible under Brad Stevens that first season. And there was a lot of guys that were coming uh, in, a in and out. It was like, you know, a revolving door of players, players who would get traded to Boston and then be gone very soon after. And I think that right now this is a different kind of Celtics team because those first four seasons, like that was the gritty basketball team that everybody fell in love with because they played defense. Um, they hustled a ton. They would always dive on the floor for loose balls. People loved their passion. People loved the fact that the team would always just really play beyond their abilities and continue to somehow find ways to win basketball games because they play with a lot of passion and a lot of grittiness. So I, you know, I think you're going from, you know, that type of team to a more skilled, a more physical basketball team. And I think this is a big boy basketball team now. In the past, it's been like, 
you know, the Celtics, it's like we get to the playoffs, but we're really just happy to be here and our fans are going to stand up and they're going to applaud for us after we get knocked out of the playoffs, you know, because they didn't expect us to do anything in the playoffs anyway. They're just grateful that we played our butts off and we at least we got to this point. That Those days are over. This basketball team is expected to win games now. They have another legit star with Gordon Hayward. Guys scored more than 20 points per game last season. He can create his own shot. Uh, he's extremely versatile. He's got good size and length. Somebody you can pair with Isaiah, and Isaiah hasn't had that you know, teammate who can also create his own shot. They haven't had that dynamic offensive duo before, so their scoring is going to go to another level. You also got Jason Tatum who can create his own shot, and at the very least his rookie season, he'll come in off the bench and be a decent little spark offensively off the bench. You know, and it's not just the skill, but it's also the physicality. Becoming a more physical basketball team, adding someone like uh, Marcus Morris, adding uh, Aaron Baines. You know, the Celtics—they've got some tough physical guys now. You got those two that I just mentioned. They joined Marcus Smart. They joined Jay Crowder. So this is—you know—this team is expected to win. I expect them to be better than last season, and. I expect them to perform better in the playoffs. I mean, they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals last season, which is great, but obviously they struggled in those first two games versus Chicago. And, you know, I talked in a recent podcast about how it was unfair to say that the Celtics would have lost that series if Rajon Rondo hadn't gotten hurt, you know, because the Celtics were in a tough spot at the time. Isaiah's sister had just died. You know, people didn't really know how to react with one another in the locker room. And then as time went on, they loosened up a little bit and they became themselves and all that stuff like that. Yeah, it's probably not fair to assume that the Celtics would have lost that series, but it was was likely. It was very likely. So last year in the playoffs, it was was tough. The 0-2 start versus Chicago, a tough seven-game series versus Washington, getting completely trounced by Washington at times, not being able to go on the road and get a win there uh, versus the Wizards. So, I mean, I'm expecting more from them in the playoffs. And then versus Cleveland, you know, like I said, that that next step in the rebuilding process, that next hurdle is the Cleveland Cavaliers taking the next step forward because they've taken a step forward every year under Brad Stevens following that first season. Every year they've won a few more regular season games. They've won a few more playoff games. They sent a guy to the All-Star game. Uh, two seasons in a row with Isaiah Thomas. So that next step is to, if not beat Cleveland in the Eastern Conference Finals or you know whenever, wherever they match up in the playoffs, if they don't beat them, at the very least really challenge them and really make it a competitive series. Not a five-game series, but a real competitive one. You know, Make Cleveland sweat a little bit. Play them tough. So I, I just think that Celtics have, are now a better basketball team. And the team that we've rooted for the last couple of seasons, I think the team's different now. They've got so many new players, and I think they're going to be a better basketball team. And it's, yeah, those first couple of years were about rebuilding. Yeah, again, if you wanted to say they were re- still rebuilding because they're not a true championship contender, fine, say it. But, you know, it seems to me like they're on their way there. And who knows, would they be a true title contender if the friggin' Golden State Warriors weren't so good? You know, I mean, maybe that would be the case. You know, if Cleveland was the team that everybody tried to beat, the Celtics wouldn't be that far behind. I mean, if they all go into, 
if Kyrie Irving goes into the season with the Cavaliers um, and they were the best team in the NBA, Celtics would still be the underdog, but they wouldn't be far behind. So the roster turnover and the guys who have left, uh, it was a fun time to be a Celtics fan, and I'll miss some of these guys, you know. Uh, Avery Bradley, four seasons with Brad Stevens. He had been with the team for seven years, but spent four with Stevens. You had Kelly Olynyk, All four of his years with the Celtics were with Stevens. Tyler Zeller, three seasons, three with Stevens. Amir Johnson spent two seasons with Brad Stevens. Jonas Drebko, a little more than two seasons. So all these guys, starting with Avery Bradley, traded to uh, Detroit to create cap space. Uh, it was another great season for Avery Bradley. He had his highest field goal percentage since 2011-2012. And back then, you know, he was a younger player, and he was playing like 15, 20 minutes a game or whatever it was. And he was taking half as many shots. Uh, shot at least 39% from three-point range last season. That's the third time that he's done that in his career. He had the career-high 16 points per game. And I love Avery Bradley for a number of reasons, you know, because he's a great guy, because he's a nice person. He was there for Isaiah when Isaiah's sister died, you know, um, kind of a quiet dude, goes about his business, uh, improves a little bit every single year, works really hard, really dedicated defensively, really good two-way player, one of the elite perimeter defenders, you know, at times has shut down some like elite level players. Like he's really frustrated uh, Kyrie in the past. Same thing with uh, Jimmy Butler. But, you know, it's almost like once he leaves, now all of a sudden people are talking about Avery Bradley as if, you know, he was an elite player, which he was not. He was an elite defender, but offensively, he was so limited offensively. His scoring average has been so steady over recent years. I just kind of wonder if that's plateaued because I don't think he's going to get significantly better offensively. He is not a great ball handler. He doesn't create his own shot like Gordon Hayward does, who was brought into Boston, and that's why Avery Bradley left a year early. Kelly Olynyk, another one of those early Brad Stevens guys who has gone uh, four years, $50 million going to Miami. Good season last year for him, 51% from field goal range, which was the best of his career. But his three-point shooting was down last season, which was disappointing. He was shot 40% from three-point range the year before, down to 35% last year. What I'm going to miss about Kelly the most is not, you know, his size and his ability to stretch the floor. It's just going to be how awkward the guy was. Like, his footwork in the paint was just awkward to me. Like, I never fully understood it. Like, he would have the ball near the basket, and it looked like he was stuck in quicksand or something. Jalen Brown at uh, summer camp, summer league, when he was talking about uh, Kelly Olynyk going off to Miami and signing his contract, saying Kelly should have got more money, he, he went on to say, you know how Kelly is, slow motion. I don't know exactly what Jalen Brown meant by slow motion. I It could be what I was saying, which is a guy who looks like he's stuck in quicksand because he just moves so slow. It's like, I don't get it. Um, his playoff drama is going to be missed. <laughs> he's just got like such a reputation for, you know, getting into these scrums or whatever you want to call them you know, in the biggest moments in the playoffs on the biggest stage, like when he dislocated Kevin Love's shoulder, when he 
obviously intentionally was trying to rip his arm off so he could beat him over the head with it. But that he was just grabbing Kevin Love. Like, guys do that in the NBA. You know, maybe you grab somebody's jersey or something like that. You know, maybe you don't have good position for a rebound and there's an opponent in front of you, so you kind of grab him. You know, maybe the ball bounces to a teammate or something like that. It, to me, that's what I feel like. That's That's all he was doing, you know. I don't look at that act as malicious. I look at it as maybe it was like more careless or something like that. I think maybe that might be Kelly's thing. He's not out to like hurt people. I think he's just maybe careless at times. Uh, but this thing about grabbing guys' arms, you know, if you're going to pull on someone's jersey or something like that to try and keep them away from rebound, at least try and hide it a little bit. He did the same thing versus Robin Lopez. Uh, versus the Bulls in the playoffs last year, where it was just obvious. Like, everybody could see it watching at TV, on TV at home. He takes, like, two arms and, like, bear hugs Robin Lopez's arm, and it was, like, just, like, incredibly obvious. And then people obviously looked at that, and they pointed that out, and they're like, here he is again. Look, look at Kelly Olynyk in Boston. Look at that goon. He's trying to hurt Robin Lopez. He's trying to rip his arm off so he can beat him over the head with it, just like he tried to do with Kevin Love. Well, that's not really what he was doing. Uh, and then the Oubre scream, the screen. I don't know how people can turn that around on, on Kelly Olynyk and make that play about Kelly Olynyk. Like, Kelly Oubre just completely lost his head, just did something that was completely, like, inexcusable. To lose your cool like that, Talking, talk about not like composing yourself to lose your cool like that in the playoffs and then get suspended for the following game. I believe the Celtics got slammed in that game that they lost Kelly Oubre. It's not like it ended up hurting Washington, but you don't you don't do something like that and then get suspended for a playoff game. It's completely like a selfish thing to do. Um, so I don't know how people turned that around and made Kelly the bad guy out of that. It looked like a good screen to me. I mean, maybe when you watch it in slow motion, maybe it looks like Kelly leaned into him a little bit or something like that. It wouldn't be the first guy to do that. You know, but Ubre hits Kelly on the shoulder with his face. That looked like that hurt. He went down pretty hard. But, you know, again, to uh to get up and then just sprint at somebody and give him a cheap shot like that in front of a national TV audience. I don't know what the heck he was thinking there. Uh, another guy who left, who was a part of the early Brad Stevens era, was Jonas Drebko. Uh, Jonas, I think for some of the more diehard Celtics fans, somebody that uh, fans really appreciated. I've always enjoyed watching Jonas Drebko play for the Celtics two years with Utah now. That's what he signed a two-year deal in Utah. So for all you Jazz fans who are disappointed that Gordon Hayward left, hey, at least you got Jonas Drebko. That ought to make up for it. A tiny, teeny little bit. Just a little bit. He was traded to uh, Boston a while back with uh, Gigi Datome. Do you remember Gigi Datome? Uh, Gigi only played like 18 games for the Celtics. They used to shoot the ball really well. That was part of the deal that sent uh, Tayshaun Prince back to Detroit. But uh, Jonas, you know, pretty good size. I mean, the guy's six foot ten. He's got a beautiful haircut. Fifteen minutes per game. Uh, his three point percentage did go down last season. The year before that, he shot about forty uh, percent, and that dropped to thirty five percent. So, 
similar to uh, what happened with with Kelly Olynyk, and then Amir Johnson too, another one of those uh, Brad Stevens guys. You know, spent two years with Brad Stevens and did an admirable admirable job. I always liked uh, Amir Johnson. You know, I think a lot of people. You know, maybe your final impression of Amir or maybe your only impression of him, depending on how much Celtics basketball you watch, was him getting moved to the bench during the playoffs and was him being completely out of the rotation at times during the playoffs. But, you know, overall, he had a pretty good two-year run with the Celtics uh, going to Philadelphia now. One year, $11 million. So, so that's it. So that's it. And like I said, you know, now we can move on uh, from the Celtics being like this gritty hustle team with a lot of heart to, okay, now we're ready to really go deep into the playoffs. You know, Eastern Conference Finals last year, but it was a difficult road. So I'm expecting them to be just better offensively, better rebounding team. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, Celtics podcast, uh, that's it for uh, this episode anyway. Merrick Vandenbosch. Uh, doing the pod for 92.9 The Ticket, having a lot of fun as always. And I will be back uh, next week to talk about something else. I don't know. Maybe the full schedule will come out. I have no idea when that comes out, actually. But if we run out of things to talk about, like news, uh, off-season moves, whatever they are, if we run out of things to talk about, probably will. We can always reminisce about the Celtics and, you know, Jonas Terebko, Kelly Olenek. Can't get enough uh, Olenek stories. All right, I'm out of here. Take it easy. Go Seas.